from the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, with two-man coverage of the red and gold, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And another week is almost in the books, Chiefs Kingdom. Welcome back to the show. This is Locked On Chiefs. Thanks for joining us. Uh, We're going to cover a couple of topics here that are... A nice glimpse into what you're getting in your starting quarterback next season. We're going to take a look uh, at a little bit of things that are going around on around the league and how they, they affect this team. Um, we'll get started with that in a second. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics, as well as an analyst at Chiefs Digest. And I am Chris Clark. I am the managing editor of LockedOnChiefs.com. Thank you for joining us. Uh, going to have a good show. And we are going to have a lot of um, depth chart breakdowns over the next couple of weeks, uh, be on the lookout for that. Yeah, we're going to kind of go position by position. Uh, we started yesterday with the quarterbacks. If you missed that, go check that one out. Um, pretty straightforward, that one, actually. So uh, we, we started with it early. And we're going to go through uh, spot by spot, necessarily, not necessarily, I mean, uh, every D tackle versus, you know, the left end versus the right or that kind of thing. But plenty to talk about. Start right off, yeah, a little bit of news that we found out late on Thursday. The Chiefs have released Darrell Revis. Uh, join them midseason, try and shore up that cornerback position. Uh, I thought he gave some good effort. There are other times he didn't. Um, clearly, they don't feel like they need him going forward. Um, he His aging, that escalator in his Contract would have made him a $10 million player this season. Um, I believe early, the, the first day of the league's years, when it was going to kick in. Uh, so something had to happen before uh, early March. So not a terribly big surprise, uh, especially when you consider the fact that they traded for Kendall Fuller. Uh, clearly feel, I, I think this sends a message that they clearly feel that he can play outside as well. Uh, I'm still adamantly concerned that they need to, to add to the cornerback core. Uh, they need more corners that can play, uh, both in man as well as um, some of that mixed zones uh, that they played this last season. I think that's still probably the primary way to beat Tom Brady. Uh, Sutton's had some success with it. Uh, we saw some other teams have some success with it. So uh, definitely need a little bit of that skill set in there as well. But with Fuller on board, uh, options in the draft, options in free agency, uh, keeping a, uh, an aging Darrell Rivas was probably not in the cards for them. So you take the snaps that he gave you, jumped in there, and was able to play right away, um, help them get back on track. And I think it was an important thing to thank Darrell Rivas for, for his contributions because uh, he had some impact. So uh, that's what happened on Thursday. There's another thing we ought to talk about as well. Uh, you saw it on LockedOnChiefs.com. We had a quick story on it because it looks like Dave Tobe's going to get some more action in the coaching search. Uh, this kind of debacle that happened with Josh McDaniels backing out of an agreement to be the Colts head coach. I mean, Chris, can you believe that? I'm still really in shock. Um, to me, it just really says a lot that, I, you know, you just don't think that that's going to happen. Uh, somebody gives you the verbal commitment and, you know, he started calling coaches yesterday or I'm sorry, he started calling coaches on Tuesday and, uh, you know, offering them jobs and some assistants, you know, quit other jobs. And, and Andy is going to honor those contracts, so good for them for that. Uh, Chris Ballard came out and talked. I didn't get a chance to listen to what he said, uh, but, you know, he was very direct in his comments, and, and he came out and basically said, you know, I don't need to hear a reason. You're either in or you're out. Um, 
And I do think it's interesting isn't the right word. Intriguing, maybe. Uh, Adam Schefter tweeted out uh, on Tuesday night that, you know, Bob Kraft is basically going to do what he can to mess with the Colts. Um, you can go back and look at his timeline for that quote because uh, there was an expletive that did not make it in, onto Twitter. Oh, well, I missed that part. Well, it certainly fed into what Ballard's parting shot was. I thought he held the press conference together pretty well, um, not getting too aggressive, uh, clearly disappointed. And this is such a rarity, and I'm still kind of just blown away by it. But he, he as he's leaving the podium after thanking everyone for coming, he's like, the rivalry is back on. Clearly, that's got to be a response to Kraft, right? Oh, it absolutely is, and understandably so. Um, you know, Kraft, it sounds like, had a huge impact on what uh, – on how this went down, and, you know – I get wanting to keep a coach, but I think this went a little too far. And, and you know, it's it's since been reported that one of the reasons that Josh McDaniels decided to stay is that uh, Bill Belichick told him he would basically take him under his wing and teach him how to be a head coach. Um, good luck getting an opportunity unless it's in New, or- in, um, New England. Yeah, I mean, the general thought has to be that he has to have been – promised, alluded to something along the lines that Bill's going to coach you up on how to be a head coach, and then you're going to get the shot to be that guy. Uh, And I can't argue with that. That seems like a logical situation. But here's the thing. Charlie Weiss was on with somebody this afternoon and and had a comment that, you know, if you didn't get that in writing, this is the dumbest move in the history of sports. And that's kind of where I come down. You you got a second shot to be a head coach after you were a complete and utter nightmare the first time, and you pass it by on a promise, maybe, uh, especially a promise from two people that seem to not be able to get along and not be able to really see into the future. So if he didn't get in writing, I have a tendency to agree. Well, even if he did get in writing, good luck getting in enforced. Um you know, really where I go with this and my biggest issue with it is not really with his decision. It's it's when his decision was made and it was that he left a lot of coaches out to dry. Um, I mean, he could have really affected five or six different coaches uh, from my understanding as to how he was filling his staff and whatnot. And I'm glad, like I said, Indianapolis is going to honor those contracts and good for them on that. But, you know, he had no way of knowing that. Um and, you know, honestly, for Indianapolis, that's kind of a bad position to be in because you're basically telling your head coach that you have to honor contracts of guys that they might not be really able to work with. Yeah, and that, that's always really the question, right? It's you want to be do the honorable thing. You want to make sure that, that you don't leave anybody out in the cold because not only do they make an agreement uh, to work for Josh McDaniels, they make an agreement to coach the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, and maybe that is tough. Uh, you know, when you get into defensive philosophies about who takes over the team and who wants to run a 4-3 and who wants to run a 3-4 and that kind of thing, I mean, maybe that becomes problematic. But uh, then again, you got to think whoever took that job was was happy to take it 
So it, for those guys that did sign those contracts, hopefully they can work that out and and mesh a scheme that's going to work for everybody once they do have it. Well, it does look like that it could be somebody other than Dave Tobe. It looks like they're going to be uh, interviewing Frank Reich. I've heard John D. Filippo as well as a possibility. Uh, I think and. Uh, there's another candidate that they were looking at. Um, so, I mean, it's possible they don't end up going with Dave Tobe. Uh, but, you know, that's still the possibility there is that they end up taking Dave Tobe. A lot of familiar, mm-hmm. lot of familiarity with Chris Ballard. Yeah, and then that's that's a fair point. It's It's going to be difficult. Uh, if that makes the connection too easy to make and maybe not – easy enough to fulfill, you know, um, that's going to be the, the interesting part for me. So we will see what happens, but, uh, that's not the only thing that came out on Wednesday. Uh, very interesting conversation with Patrick Mahomes was held with, uh, with our old pal, Matt Miller, that was on the show a couple of weeks ago. So hopefully you guys heard that, but man, there are a lot of takeaways from that. Weren't there? Uh, to say there are a lot of takeaways is an understatement to me. Um, and I want to emphasize before we get into talking about Patrick Mahomes, because I think we do need to talk about it. Uh, they also did a regrade of every single draft class in 2017. Um, and there was only one team that got a, an A in the AFC West. I wonder who that might be. Yeah, Kansas City. Um, and, and they both said, because he does this podcast with um, Connor Rogers, and they both said that it's based on the fact that Kareem Hunt, uh, you know, you get him in the third round and he leads the league in, in rushing, and that is the main reason. Because if you look at the rest of the draft class, to be fair, besides Patrick Mahomes, they didn't really have anything that was going to be significant. Yeah, I mean, and that's absolutely fair. Uh, but I think the way – that they put it was uh, most succinct. If, at the end of the day, um, whether he sat for a season or not, what they ended up doing in one draft was getting your starting backfield for possibly the next five, six, seven, eight, ten years in having both the quarterback and the running back from one class. Now, running backs don't have that kind of longevity, so maybe that's a stretch. But still, the point being is that, yes, Patrick Mahomes only played one game, and it was really Kareem Hunt that, that made the contribution from this class this season. Uh, you can see that they're, they're going to have a starting pair on offense. you got to think Chesson's going to eventually get on there. Uh, you're going to think that especially whatever is going to happen with the outside pass rush that Tom Passanio is in, in the plans for the future. So they're going to get more uh, participation and input from this class as they get older. No, and that's true, and and they will get more participation. And, you know, when you look back at a draft class five years later, if you have two bona fide starters, very good starters, uh, it's probably a pretty good draft class. So you've got to be happy with that. No doubt. Uh, I think that's great, and they did give up a couple – other A's, uh, but they, they were not, uh, they're not generous. They're generally, uh, and I know Matt over the years has been fairly uh, stringent on, on over exaggerating how teams did. Um, I'm pretty reluctant with that myself. So I appreciate that part and not getting overly blown away by possibility rather than actual what's on the field. So, um, but his discussion with Mahomes, I thought was intriguing. No, it absolutely was. There was a lot of great nuggets in there. Um, you know, he talked about what the relationship was 
the relationship with Alex Smith was like. Um, and Patrick didn't mention any words. I mean, he came out, he came straight out and said, you know, Alex took him under his wing from day one and really helped him. Um, and, you know, I don't expect anything less from Alex, and I'm not trying to put him up on a pedestal, but he has always been the type that is seen to be the consummate professional, and that's what you do as a consummate professional. Yeah, that's nearly the definition. Um, and, and, folks, I want to remind you, uh, we talked to Lee Steinberg just before the draft last season about Patrick Mahomes, uh, and we're, we're going to continue to try to get him on. He, he only did two interviews that entire time that he was at the Super Bowl radio row, and one of them was this one with Matt Miller. So um, not a guy who talks to the press a whole lot unless it's out of the locker room. So we're going to keep working on it, but uh, give us a little bit of time. I know you all want to hear from him directly, but I, I thought it was great about how he talked about his work ethic in particular. Um very much so for a guy who not only was a first-round pick, but a, a guy that uh, teams had to make concerted effort to go up and get. Um, you would think that that might lead to um, maybe not the best buy-in to studying film and to learning progressions when you're not the guy who who immediately earns that starting job, right? Yeah, I think that says a lot about Mahomes and – the team knew what they were getting when they drafted him. I mean, you look at what goes into drafting a player. Uh, if you're going to give up as much draft capital, draft capital as they did to go get a player like Patrick Mahomes, you're going to make sure you know the kid inside and out. And you know they had him in a in a room for I don't remember how long it was, six or eight hours. You know, going over football stuff with him and. Uh, I'm not sure where I heard this, but it was also reported that basically uh, they gave him a playbook or a couple of plays at the very beginning of the day uh, and we're going over other things with him and they came back to him at the end of the day and he had him still down. Um, you know, I understand that this is a job interview, but when you're in, in any room for eight, eight to 10 hours and you're really trying to um, impress people, that wears on you unless it's something that you really want. Yeah, I mean, you have to be dedicated for that. And obviously, there are people that just have skills um, that are naturals at learning these kinds of things. Um, but I, I agree with you. That's, that's a good sign. Uh, and it's also a good sign that he realizes that he had to put in that kind of effort. He talked about being in there uh, early in the morning and, and that he doesn't do a whole lot outside of football and video games, uh, which I found interesting. Uh, but that's the kind of thing that, especially for a year, a redshirt year like this, where you have to learn one of the most complicated offenses in this league in terms of the terminology, uh, the concepts that they're trying to throw at you, and you're constantly trying to make reads pre-snap. Uh, a lot of it falls on that quarterback's shoulder, and I thought that was great that he was willing to put in that kind of work. Absolutely, and that's what you want from a quarterback. That's what you want from your leader. Uh, and it definitely looks like he is going to be that for Kansas City moving forward. Yeah, I think they're they're in good shape, and this is kind of that transition year. Um, moving on from such a steady performing quarterback like Alex Smith, um, obviously there's going to be ups and downs. We talked about it yesterday with Seth. Uh, we talked about the interception thing, and, and you know it, it's we're in for a bit more of a roller coaster. But hearing this today about how much effort he put into. Uh, doing the film work. That's got to make you feel like uh, he's doing all that he can in his role currently at the moment to to kind of 
mitigate as much of that as he can and smooth that out and get all he can get out of doing the film work and the study work. Absolutely. And I think one of the bigger things that I took away from it that, uh, you know, maybe glossed over by some people is that you, he discussed how he would go through plays and figure them out inside and out. And he would also figure out, okay, if a player is here or if a defender is here, or if the defender does this, then I need to go here and vice versa. And he would go through and he'd have that down for each scenario. What that really means to me though, is it goes deeper than just what he's preparing for. It also goes to show that Andy Reed's offense is highly dependent on reads. Um, and it's not, it's usually pre snap reads. I'm guessing he's going to change that a little bit with Patrick, but uh, it makes a lot of sense for, because that was what Alex was best at. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest things that I'm looking forward to watching the evolution of this offense. Not only can it, is it going to get more vertical, which I think inevitably it's going to, uh, but also like, can you get comfortable enough as Andy Reed, as the, the coach that wants to be in control to shift that emphasis from pre-snap reads to allowing Patrick Mahomes to do what he does and make those reads on the run. Uh, I think you're going to see some miraculous plays. I think you're going to see some mistakes, but it's going to be fun to watch either way. Absolutely. And he's definitely not. Uh, there was no shortness of confidence coming from Mahomes. Uh, he was asked, you know, whether he has a stronger arm than Josh Allen or not. Um, and, and he said he definitely thinks he does. Uh, he said he's never seen a player uh, throw the ball as hard as he can. Uh, and, you know, my favorite quote was um, Matt Miller asked him, you know, how far can you throw a football? And and Patrick goes, well, I've thrown one 85 yards before. And you hear Matt go, Jesus. <laughs> but he was also quick to say, in all honesty, well, I had I had the wind at my back a little bit. So good for him. But, I mean, it's like he's trying to say, oh, it's really not 50 yards. I was really only 45. Right. You know, but he also, you know, right time. after he said that there's wind at his back, he also said, well, you know, my pro day I had a little bit of wind, but I threw it 80. And I'm like, yeah, 80, 85, there's not much difference there. And the video of that it's one is out there, folks. It is ridiculous. It, <laughs> it is. <laughs> I think the Chiefs are in pretty good shape, you know, going into this weekend. Hope you guys have a good one. We are going to get back to doing the reviews next week, and, and hopefully we'll have some a little bit more news about uh, if anything is going to change with Dave Tobe, uh, and we'll be right on top of that for you. We're going to go through the positions. We're going to start uh, taking a look at some of the draft prospects. If you missed the mock draft, came out on Thursday last week. Go back and check that out at LockedOnChiefs.com. Uh, full Every round, every pick the Chiefs have currently is in there. Uh, you may not like them all, but they're in there. So uh, give that a shot. We appreciate you listening to us. We appreciate you spending the word. Uh, it really helps us. And all the iTunes reviews that we've gotten this this last year, this whole season, we really appreciate all that. Please, I know it's kind of silly, but keep giving it us does phone make calls. a huge We will difference. get to those on a future episode as well. Uh, one last thing. Don't worry. I'm not going to let Ryan draft three fullbacks. Um, so you don't have to worry about that, but go check out the mock draft. Yeah, that's what you're not going to be the GM ever. (laughs) All right, folks, enjoy your weekend. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Chiefs podcast. While you're out there, give us a rating or review and reach out to us on Twitter at Ryan Tracy NFL and at Chris Clark NFL. We'll talk to you next time.